the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Maniple. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. everyone, welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 237. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Nadine Ross. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of December 3rd through December 16th. We have a total of two books to cover, a little bit of news, a little bit of listener comments, and then I completely forgot about last episode, and I told myself I definitely need to make sure that I talk about this episode. So if for some reason I'm wrapping up the episode and I forget, please one of you remind me. I need to explain the details for the holiday giveaway that I had promised that I was going to go on and on about over the last couple episodes. Ah, I see. And I kept forgetting, and I kept forgetting, and now we're literally the last episode before the holidays. So I will definitely do that after we do our comic reviews. So anyway, let's jump into comic news. Over the past couple weeks, we just have a couple of things that were announced. Starting off, there was a Reddit AMA, which if you don't know what Reddit is or AMA, Reddit is basically like a giant online forum where people talk back and forth with other people, but occasionally celebrities or famous people or people who of significance get on and do a thing called AMA, which is an Ask Me Anything, where you basically can pose questions to celebrities or famous people or significant people <gasps> or whatever. I know where this is going. Will, Grant Morrison? Yes, it is. Oh, and they, in turn, ding, ding, ding. will give you the ability to, you know, the, to basically ask them whatever you want, and then they, obviously, they'll choose whether or not they actually answer your question. But there was a AMA that was done over the past two weeks with Graham Morrison, and I think it had a lot to do with the fact that the show Happy was debuting on Sci-Fi. Yeah. And I haven't actually watched it. It's sitting on my DVR, but I intend to watch it. But I'm guessing that's why, because that was Happy was one of his creations, and I'm guessing that's why he was on like maybe a promotional tour for the series and maybe did this AMA. I don't know. But anyway, the question came up of whether or not he would have changed anything given his plans on Batman if he would have, you know, if he would have done anything differently looking back at it. And he actually went on to say that specifically, he actually originally, he never had any like plan set in stone as to what he wanted to accomplish on the Batman and Robin series with Dick as Batman and Damien as Robin. But he did say that he didn't intend to leave the characters as soon as he did. He had intended to have stories for Dick as Batman and Damien as Robin for at least five years, meaning that the entire run actually took less than two years when it was all said and done. But it seems as if the plans that Morrison had originally had put in place might have gotten slimmed down for the fact that DC was rolling out the New 52. That could have led into the idea of everything being changed. Now, if you remember back when... Graham Morrison was still on the title, and we had the comic cast. After they actually launched the New 52, there was discussions that we had about whether or not, in the past, it seems like they have used the Bat books and the Bat line of books as basically a test run for certain line-wide things that they intend to do in the future, meaning back when Battle for the Cow was happening, they actually ended all of the series and then rebooted some of the series and then other series that it just didn't bring back. And then it wasn't even like two years later that they decided to just do this with all of the DC books with the New 52 and completely renumber issues and start back at number ones and things like that. But they originally did that back in 
the Bat books during Battle for the Cow. After Battle for the Cow, everything kind of reset, and the only books that didn't get renumbered at the time were Batman and Detective Comics, which kept going, but everything else ended at that point. Like Robin, which had been around since the early 90s, had been turned into Red Robin with a new number one, and so forth and so on. So, Anyway, they did with Birds of Prey, they did with a lot of the books. But the the idea was that maybe he intended on having Bruce dead for a lot longer, too. Makes sense. If you actually read Batman, The Return of Bruce Wayne, that story by itself felt very rushed as he was traversing his way through time. It did feel like it could have potentially been rushed just for the sheer fact that they were trying to wrap everything up and have him return before everything was going to happen with the New 52. So your thoughts on whether or not you think that it would have worked out better if given more time to let him do what he intended, and not just for his intended purpose of Return of Bruce Wayne, with Bruce Wayne being dead for longer than just a short time as he was, and outside of the Batman and Robin that he was doing, but also just line-wide, do you think it would have been better for the line to have a little bit more time to develop what they were doing with all of those new directions of the characters. And this is obviously includes Stephanie Brown as Batgirl as well. So. <gasps> I think I know what her answer is going to be about <laughs> that one. I'm just, just guessing. I personally believe that Damon worked way better with Dick Grayson. He's fine now, but I liked him and Dick Grayson working together. And even though the area was only about two years, even when the current Batman stuff we're going to be talking about, you know, we just had them go find uh, Selena and Bruce, you still see that special bond between Dick and him. So I actually wish it would have went on longer. It would also would let us have more integration of Dick into like Justice League stories and into the bigger DC universe. I mean, after Final Crisis, Batman was gone and back. Well, we started the long run home. I mean, it was it was so quick that. You know, I, I really wish we had five years. That would have been cool. And plus, it would have meant a lot more when Bruce came back. It's like when the kid died, he was back from the dead in less than 12 months. So I think the longer a character remains gone, the more his return, in fact. For means. once, I'm actually going to answer one of these questions that you do before we do our comics. Because, you know, normally I just sit here and don't, <laughs> I don't say anything. I will say, however, that you skipped the most important part of Grant Morrison's little thing in which he talked about someone asked Babs or Corey for Dick, and he said Babs all the way. And I was like, what? yes, sir. Yeah, but, yes, did you, sir. but do you remember the reasoning behind that? Because Corey's, like, unhinged. It wasn't unhinged, but it was, like, something. No, it was, yeah, it was not that. He said that <laughs> Dick would be too distracted by the fact that Corey has a model-like body. Well, oh, that's kind of not cool, That's bro. probably how they got together in the first place. I mean, yeah, but Babs is an attractive person. Just because she's girl next door doesn't mean... Anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so to I think always giving enough time for something to develop is always in everyone's best interest. I think however much we may not like a direction creatively, I think if you give it time, it starts to pan out. You know, I think our knee-jerk reaction with New 52 is that we very much did not like it. I think there were places that we enjoyed but as it started developing I think some of the books started to fall into place and there were really wonderful runs that came out of it and then you know so that's just an example that sometimes you got to stay with it so Batman R.I.P. I read I think kind of recently like in the past couple years or so and then I read the Batman and Robin run because I remember when all this started coming out I was actually just starting to get into comics on the regular. And so I had Batgirl going, and then I thought, oh, I'll try 
Batman and Robin and I'll try Red Robin and I think I also had Batwoman and I ended up not really liking any of them <laughs> which is funny because I think I sold all of those single issues that I had and now I actually have the Batwoman that I had I have the uh, not the Red Robin but the Batman and Robin I have all those traits so it's interesting that coming back I think I appreciate them more so I, I think uh, it would have been great to have that direction continue because I absolutely loved Stephanie Brown as Batgirl. I think there were a lot of wonderful things that were going on with that. Uh, you still had Barbara Gordon in a strong Oracle role, and you had her as a mentor, as you saw previously with Barbara and Cassandra. And then, of course, you had Proxy, who is almost stepping into that role, and, and you could almost imagine Barbara sort of passing the torch and things like that. And, and Stephanie, I think, had developed so well as a character because she's no longer spoiler or a character that may have been getting on people's nerves, but someone that was really, I think, growing into her own character, not without fault, certainly, but I think she was stronger than we had ever seen her. I think Batman was starting to trust her. She was really finding uh, a great place on the team. So I really love that particular run and I think you know it sounds really bad because I'm on a B Batman podcast but I think it's really interesting to have Batman just not present for a while and that's why Super Heavy was is I think my favorite run of Scott Snyder in current continuity because he was just gone and it was like you know what is life like without him and we still saw Bruce but it was a different side of Bruce and it gave me hope because you know look he's got this other life here and you know for most part he's he's happy and so to have Dick Grayson step into the role of Batman and, and which even now I think you see ripples because of his relationship with Damien which still continues to pop up whenever him and Dick get together I think in a way we still see some of these stories trickling down but I do miss sort of the opportunity that we had without Batman I don't think you can ever just get rid of Batman altogether but just giving it a time because how long was Superman actually dead because I have all three trades I mean was that close to a year that he was dead with all that crazy stuff going on? It was a little longer than a year, but yeah. A year and a half or so, right? Yeah, yeah. okay. And R.I.P., what was that? R.I.P. lasted... <laughs> man, that actually feels like it lasted longer, but it didn't. It, there was a lot of other stories that Grant Morrison did leading up to R.I.P. that just felt like it was just a continuation or a prelude to R.I.P. looking okay. back, but it was probably about okay. six to eight okay. months. Yeah. So it's not like you just don't have enough time to even miss him, really. Uh, you just feel like he's going to come back. So I think there's there is a lot that, that could have been done potentially, and, and I certainly mourn the loss of Brian Q. Miller, especially as writer, and Stephanie as Batgirl. But like I said, I think we still have residue from that. You know, residue is sort of a negative connotation, but I think we still have you know flashes to what that was like with Dick and Damien, so I'm glad there's still a piece of it that, that we can look to. And basically my take on this is that I feel as if they probably should have had more time to develop. The problem is that it's just one of those things where, you know, DC as a company was was making changes and there was other books that were affected by the New 52 at the same time. I know the I wasn't particularly, you know, specifically reading the Green Lantern stuff, but a lot of people gave the Green Lantern stuff a lot of praise and then all of a sudden the New 52 happened and then that was one of the few ones that people said, well, if you're reading the Green Lantern books, there's not a lot of change, just like Scott Snyder was saying. 
similar things at the beginning of the New 52 with the Batman books. But I know that there, the thing was, New 52 was a reset for a lot of stuff, but it was meant, I think in some ways, as a reset for the stuff that wasn't doing successful or wasn't successful. And then it just kind of did other things. Now, I have, like, I, I disagree with the idea that giving it too much time to develop. I think that, yes, at the beginning of the New 52, I think unanimously there was lots of stuff that was not very good. I think Corvall's was probably one of the very few exceptions of what was actually happening in the books that, would, that we actually enjoyed. But in general, I think that the it was vast a mess majority the of it. Pure and simple. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, like, uh, there were so many issues. I mean, like, with there being the Batman Dark Knight, and then there was Detective Comics, and then there was Batman Robin, and Batman, there was no cohesion whatsoever in any of those books whatsoever. Not that there's massive cohesion amongst Detective and Batman right now, you but that, that. said, yeah. yeah. But that being said, it's just one of those things where I would, you know, I feel like Rebirth has at least fixed a lot of that stuff, and if it hasn't fixed it, it's at least working out in a direction where I'm not as opposed to it. But I don't think that, like, yeah, sure, there were storylines within New 52 that were okay and were good and everything like that, but I don't know that I, looking back at it, I'm sitting here thinking, yes, New 52, I loved that line-wide thing that just erased everything or changed everything at all. I honestly feel like if the Bat books just sat outside of everything that DC was doing with the New 52, it could have probably worked out better. And not just because of what potentially Grant Morrison could have done with the return of Bruce Wayne over a longer period of time, or what could he have done with the stuff that was happening with Batman and Robin and, and with Dick as, as Batman in that. But I feel like a lot of this stuff didn't really get a huge chance, at least at least compared to now. I mean, like, you look at what DC's doing now with creative teams, and they started doing this in the New 52. You get a creative team that comes onto a book, and it's very unlikely that they're off the book unless something, like, massively bad happens. You know, even a, even an artist nowadays, even if it's a monthly book, is still on a book for at least six months. We've, we've seen writing teams since the beginning of Rebirth, you know, that are almost a year and a half in, even though the books aren't selling remarkably well, they're not changing the writing teams. And it could just be because, you know, they're okay with the book selling the way it is, or, you know, it could be another reason. But I feel like there are certain books where I would have expected them to have creative changes and I'm specifically looking over at Backroll, for example. That book Are you looking isn't at somebody? selling nearly yeah. as yeah, it's not it's not nearly selling as well as it, it as it has in the past. And actually putting it in comparison number wise to not New Fifty Two, but pre New Fifty Two with Stephanie Brown as spoiler, it's not it's like actually selling I think a little bit less than what Stephanie Brown was selling back then. So it's one of those things where I would have preferred, you know, the ability to to have those creative teams have a little bit more time than what they actually had. And then you look, then that's not even comparing some of these these books like Nightwing and Harley Quinn that have been, you know, double shipping every single month and the massive amount of issues that they've been able to release in just that year and a half time frame where they can tell much larger stories and involve more characters and things like that, that other creators in the past, they're lucky, you know, there was a point where I think Birds of Prey, there was never a point in the New 52 that Birds of Prey had a creator attached for longer than like 12 issues at a time ever. Hmm. I could be wrong, but I, th- I want to say like they, there was a point where like they changed one month and then three months later they changed after just a three issue story arc. It was, it, it just seems like there was a lot more creator changes back then than there is now. Now the only time you see a change with the writing team is if the writing team wants to take the month off. I'm all for giving creative teams the ability to like, you know, make an impact 
over a longer period of time instead of just saying, hey, tell your one story that you want to tell and let's see how it does. And then if it doesn't do well, we're just going to find somebody else to write mm. the book. It just feels like now they're in a situation where they give the writers a little bit more leeway to tell their stories. I mean, you hear Tynion talking about how he wants to be on the book until issue 1000. You hear Tom King saying he wants to be on the book until uh, issue 100. So, I mean, like, that's a, I mean, that's like four years. Scott Snyder was on uh, Batman by himself for almost five years. I mean, in general, it just seems like they're giving them a lot more ability to work with their stories. It also, in some ways, it makes more sense for them to do that. They don't have to be super successful. They just have to be successful enough where it's selling, they're making money, and they're not. it's not in danger of not selling or continuously losing readers, where if they keep the same writer, what's really the harm that it's going to do other than potentially losing readers but if it's keeping the readership then there is no harm really i think a lot of these stories still are a trial basis though because if you remember we are robin lee bermejo was saying how like basically he was just given what 12 issues potentially and then they were going to see where it goes and then the burnside crew i mean this is in recent memory the burnside crew were only going to be given a certain amount and then it was just so successful and popular that they were able to continue for longer. So I think it's maybe untested writers or creators are given a chance and then, you know, see where it goes. I, I wonder about Batman White Knight because there's well, talk I'm, of like... Oh, hold on, okay. hold on. You, but the problem is you're comparing, you're comparing two different time frames here. But I'm you're saying, saying now. The things, now they're giving more time. I'm saying now they're giving yeah, more well, time. Yeah, well, I mean, Burnside was pretty recent. Burnside, you're talking about Burnside from the New 52. Mm, okay. I'm, I'm talking about Rebirth people. The Rebirth people, like Hope Larson, has been on that book okay. for almost 18 issues now. That's a year and a half. <laughs> In New 52, that would be unheard okay. of. What Dustin is saying is he wants them fired. Especially with the sales being where they're at. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, now they're given this time. Not a year or two years ago with, like, the Burnside run. We Are Robin was also during New 52. Like, we're comparing, like, New 52 to Rebirth, not... The sa- it's not in the same boat. I think that it's completely different. The We Are Robin thing, I think, actually was was there's a whole different part of that, which was it was never meant to be what it became. He had said in interviews that he in, he pitched the idea for a series for Vertigo. They said, "Hey, we could apply this to something that's over happening over in the Batman books. Would you be interested in it?" He adapted it to work for the Robins. <laughs> And, Worst mistake he ever made. And then it didn't end up doing super well. I mean, yeah. it, it's not like they ended it sooner than they needed to. No. Honestly, it he told good. the story in the first six issues. It probably yeah. wasn't meant to be like a super long, ongoing series to begin with. That's too bad. But it also feels like they're giving more chances. Sure. It's like they're taking more risk now than they were during the New 52 in some regard because not only are they giving the writing teams more opportunities to stay on the books longer and tell a longer form story, but they're also doing a lot more of these miniseries with writers that are not necessarily super well proven and a perfect example like you were about to bring up was Batman White yeah. Knight with Sean, Sean Gordon mm-hmm. Murphy who has not been like he's been an artist on books but to give somebody the full reign of artist writer on a series by himself and then say here you go let's give you basically our top tier character in Batman and, and you can do not only whatever you want with them because this is going to be taking place out of continuity sure. but we're going to let you do crazy things like make the Joker actually Jack Napier from the, his yeah. his alter ego from the 1989 movie I mean like they're clearly 
giving a lot more ability to to take more and risks, seemingly already having a sequel planned out and then you've got the yeah, signal exactly. business yeah. which what's his name cully hamner is that his name cully hamner is on batman the signal he's the yeah, artist yeah, yeah. okay but then tony tony patrick okay. is the writer and he's teaming with scott Snyder. Gotcha, yeah. yeah so again potentially yeah well scott's you know bringing in it's, it's all about <laughs> knowing who you know and scott's bringing in all of his uh little brings people, in his, his buddies words that he's been teaching his students yep. yeah all right so after that happened there was a couple of other news bits on also on december 8th we learned not learned but we knew this was happening ahead of time but uh for those of you who have been keeping up with the history of <gasps> Batman the history. and the creator of Batman, Bob Kane, who the co-creator, Bill Finger, who has not received credit up until just recently. I mean, let's just go back to the beginning of this specific podcast and the fact that Bill Finger was never even mentioned in the same breath as Bob Kane when it came to DC's credits. Now we see that the credit is actually created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Um, so having to do with this was that the city of New York actually ended up naming a street in Queens Bill Finger Way Way in honor of the fact that Bill Finger is in fact one of the co-creators of Batman. So there's a picture from the actual ceremony that they gave over on the site if you want to take a look at that. Also if you want to learn more about that, if you're unfamiliar with the history of Bill Finger, over on Hulu there's a um, documentary called Batman and Bill Mm -hmm. that you can check out. It's not actually very long, it's only about 30 minutes, so you could check that out to learn a lot more about Bill Finger and who he was as a man behind Bob Kane, who for years was the sole person who was getting credit for creating Batman. So be sure to check that and out. San- Donovan years ago did an interview with the man who wrote that book at San Diego Comic-Con. So that should be on the site, yes, right? Tile Noble. All right. So finally, the last bit of news we have comes on December 14th. It was announced that after the crossover that is going to be happening in January, February with the Young Animal imprint, there's going to be a little bit of a shakeup with a bunch of the Young Animal titles. The only one that we actually cover here at TBU is Mother Panic. But the specific change that's happening to Mother Panic is that Mother Panic is going to be hopping into the future. Uh, not getting into a time machine or anything and, and heading into the future, but actually 10 years into the future from the current story that's being told. I guess the, this is a way of, I guess, telling an Elseworlds version of history or an alternate version of history. History? The series is going to be retitled Mother Panic Gotham AD, and it will have Violet Page in 10 years into Gotham's future. There is no Batman, and the city is itself is controlled by a group called The Collective, who have a zero-tolerance policy for all would-be heroes. Viola Page will need to find a way to continue her vigilante mission in a world that seems to draw heavily from Batman Beyond and cyberpunk thrillers of the 1980s. The series will be continued to be written by Jody Hauser and Tommy Lee Edwards, and Ibrahim Mustafa will be doing the art on the series. So the first issue is going to hit stores this March. I'm happy for this. Mm. I'm more interested to see Violet in the future than I am Batman Beyond. Oh, wow. To be with you. Oh, man. No wonder you don't read it. You abstain all the time on that book. I do. It's terrible. I do. Okay. So, does it even say in its little solicitation that it's a potential future? Is this where we're going? It doesn't say a potential future. It just says it is 10 years in the okay. future. I slightly feel that this is a cop-out, if only because we knew that sales were not as good. And so I feel like, well, 
is, is this what we need to do is go in the future in order to spark new life into this book? So I'm interested to see what this book looks like when we pick it up. But I, I, I hope it's not just a, you know, gimmick is not the word I'm looking for, but just a way to get sales back up on that book. Yeah. And I think from my perspective, it does feel like it is a play to try to get sales back up. But my concern is that the series, despite the fact that the series takes place in Gotham, it takes place in the same world as all of the other Gotham heroes. We've only occasionally had other characters pop into the series to make very, very quick appearances. Batman's appeared, Batwoman has appeared, but there's not a whole lot going on with the other members of Gotham. Batman's not really involved in the story. And that's, to a degree, okay, but it comes back to <laughs> back when we first started the TBU podcast and we covered comics over on there, there was a series out at the time called Simon Dark. That sounds familiar. And Steve Niles was attached to that series. And it was basically, there was this guy, he dealt with all kinds of weird demons and monsters and stuff within the world of Gotham City. He came in contact with Batman very, very few and far between. I think, honestly other than a couple of rare cameos until the last story arc. And the series only lasts, I think, like eight issues. But up until the last story arc, Batman didn't even wasn't even part of it. And it's one of those things where you would think that Batman being who he is, anybody who's operating within the confines of Gotham City, he would know about it. And not to say that he... Like, they addressed it to a degree in Mother Panic that Batman knows that she's around. But there's no, like, who is this person? We're not learning very much about her as a character through herself because she's not very forthcoming with information about herself so you would think that like they could do an outside perspective of like maybe batman doing one issue where batman investigates her to figure out who she is and then you learn more about her and then you get all of that like unnecessary backstory out of the mm. way by just having batman explain who she is and realizing that she's not really a threat if anything she's just a nuisance that he's just going to choose to ignore and then you don't have to have batman anymore wow. the problem is i think that there was too many issues that came out where you don't they're not really furthering the story that was one of the series to me that feels like there's not a lot that happens in it month to month and in, not that i want it to come out twice a month so the more can happen or anything like that i just feel like it's just moving at a very slow pace and stories like that don't tend to do super well there has to be stuff happening. I'm not saying like action sequences, but you have to develop the characters a little bit more than just giving little bits and pieces. I mean, I don't think it was until like issue six that we learned that she was behind the death of her father. So it's one of those things where slowly, slowly learning about a character who you're trying to have a series devoted to, it's very difficult to do if you don't, you know, develop the character, at least the main character, uh, quickly enough or develop at least the other characters around her if you're going to keep her backstory uh, a mystery or whatever. So I think this could actually be good for the for the book because I think one of the things it's had to do was it wanted to be in Gotham City but you couldn't have a major event and you probably couldn't bring too many characters in without clearing it through the bat offices. Right? Maybe. I think by putting it in the future, maybe you can kind of give Violet her own timeline, her own book without having to worry about stepping on what's going on in the regular Gotham book. Does that make sense? Like, I think giving her own little place, you know. It, it makes complete sense, but here's the issue with that. What was the reason of putting her in Gotham in the first place if the whole problem was going to be, you know, while we can't have too many things happen or jeopardize too many things, like, then why not just create a character that's outside of Gotham City or in some other city that's not being utilized or something? 
I think that's that's viable too. But I think that if and I don't. And here's the thing: I, I I definitely hear what Stella's saying, but I like Elseworlds, and I wish they just slam an Elseworlds imprint on it and call it a day, right? Because we all know when we have these future stories, they never they're never set in stone, you know. Like they always change. So just slam an Elseworlds imprint on it, and make me happy. But I'm I agree with you. Maybe they should have just set her in her own city, her own continuity bubble per se. I think that'd be fine. But since they didn't. I think this could be interesting. I do. I don't know why. I'm just. I saw this news and I'm like, oh, that's cool because I really like Mother Panic. I think it's, it's interesting and I think it's definitely got a gritty edge and I think it's sometimes it's probably too gritty for the mainstream bat books, but I do like it. Yeah, I, I'll say this. I don't dislike it. I just <laughs> wish that there was more to the stories. I just feel like after getting the issues that we have, I just feel like. The thing that I'm most interested in, which is the thing that probably has the least to do with the story, is the development of Ortis Flanagan. And I don't know why I'm interested in that, just because he is a character from the Batman universe that hasn't been used other than that appearance we just saw recently in Detective Comics. He's not a character that's been used, so if they're going to change a character around that is a character that's never in any other book, I'm okay with that. I just feel like... It's one of those weird things where I have an issue with them having a series where they say, you know what, we've got like Shade the Changing Girl, she's already a character who's existed before, we've got the Doom Patrol, they've already existed before, so we're just retelling or telling a different version of that story. This one, we're going to have a brand new character that has zero ties to anything else that that has existed in the past, but we're going to plop her in Gotham City so that there is that little built-in aspect of the book in some regard saying like oh it's tied to gotham city so that's why you should potentially check it out and i know that that's why they do it but it's one of those things where it's like okay then then at least tie it a little bit more than just saying this is somebody who's living in gotham city actually have some of the characters from gotham city be in the book or appear in the book or have a a role in the book and outside of just one character of you know the rat catcher. Well, I mean, Batwoman was in there. Yes, Batwoman was, but it wasn't like a super developed relationship that she had. It was just an appearance. Just like Batman's made a couple appearances here and there. So I, I'm looking forward to see what they do. It'll just be interesting to see how little it actually connects because now that they've decided to move to the future, but again, still staying in Gotham City, and now somehow Batman is out of the picture, it'll be interesting to see how this all comes together. I just... I'm worried because a year from now, is are they going to try to do something completely different again? And I also am concerned because I know that the young animal stuff is not something that, not anything that DC is expecting to have amazing sales for. Correct. I am, I'm fully aware of that. But at the same point, like, they're keeping these books around because they have this, this desire to have, you, you know, these unique titles or whatever. Okay, that's fine. You can't do 12 issues or like in Doom Patrol's situation where they have had so many delays in that title Plots that delays. there's barely been any that any issues have actually released. You can't keep rebooting them and giving them a new number one every year just because or, you know, jumping in the future 10 years or jumping somewhere else just because the sales aren't great and they have this desire to have better sales. I mean, like, it's not it's just not going to happen. So Quaker. all right. So with that. The only other news that we have is over on the website. There is just one new Last Week in the Batcave for you to check out. As the second one, as I mentioned in the last episode, Jessica was actually at CCXP, which I did look up, and it does, in fact, have a higher attendance rate than San Diego Comic-Con by, like, 25 to 30,000 more people. So it's it's crazy huge. And 
to put it in perspective, it's it's definitely going to be probably get bigger over the years because even Warner Brothers attended that convention and did a similar thing that they did at San Diego where they showed some clips from different things that are coming up and things like that and showed the same thing where they showed the slate just like they did at San Diego Comic-Con. So that is a huge convention, and it's only a matter of time before other countries have these massive conventions as well, and they'll just continue to be bigger and bigger. San Diego has the potential of being bigger as well if they move to a bigger convention hall. Anaheim. And that's not to say that they should or they shouldn't. I, Quite honestly, it's not a big deal mm. to me one way or the other because I haven't attended since 2011. <gasps> How dare you. But Stella, from experience, would do you think it would be better if they moved or do you prefer if they stayed? I mean, do I want to be wrestling with more people? <laughs> no. But, you know, this has been talked about. All, that You know, I think the two big considerations are Las Vegas and Anaheim. And so, I mean, if they want more people, I guess it'll make me feel uncomfortable, but it'll also be safer because, as we know, the threat is always out there for small press associations to be stricken from the list and their passes be given to actual people. So that fear, I think, would go away if they were in a larger place. That means we wouldn't have that fear as much. So th- there's there, there are pros and cons. I mean, it's insane walking around through that amount of people. But, but if, you know, if you went to Vegas, I'd go. <laughs> I bet you would. Because I love Vegas. Because you, you have um, carpal <laughs> tunnel from pulling down on those uh, little things all the time. Yeah. Uh, no, I play blackjack. Oh, okay. Well, well, well. I, I play with cards. <laughs> but no, yes, if it was in Vegas, I'd be, yeah. All oh, in. boy. Can I imagine? All right. So, that being said, be sure to check out the latest Last Week in the Batcave as new episodes will be releasing over the next couple weeks. And I guess at this point, I'm assuming maybe it'll be a day late, but... I'm assuming there could be one on Christmas. I haven't heard from Jessica to say otherwise, so there could be one on Christmas, and there probably will be one on New Year's oh, Day, yes. um, just because those happen to land on Mondays. If not, they'll maybe be Tuesday, but I haven't heard anything about not having one. It just might be smaller than normal just because of the holidays, as news has been small, mm. smaller than normal just because small of the holidays. News. So with that being said, we're going to jump into our comic book reviews, and the first one we have is Batman. My first question in this issue, before I even give the synopsis, I love it. is whether or not you like the new price tag, I guess I should say, where it's got the D- the, and the label for DC, where it's got the DC Universe. Uh, it's black and white. It's, it's different now than the blue that we had come to know and I guess love. And then now, I guess I've, I'm only reading Batman, so I can't say, but now there's also a little symbol of the character that you're reading. In this case, it's a red background and a black bat. So before I even give that, since this is, I think, the first issue that it's like this that we've read, unless I was just completely out of it last episode, what do you think about this new label and design? This is actually the first week that these have popped up. They started at the beginning of December, so these are the first issues that we're reviewing that have them. They are new. It's line-wide. If you read other books, most of the other Bat books will have a Bat logo just like that. I was actually trying to figure out at one point if there was a difference between the Bat symbols to try to show whether or not... you know We've talked about whether or not Batman or Detective have been on different timelines and things like that. I was thinking maybe the symbol could potentially reveal something as far as that, but 
it's not the case. They're the same. Red Hood and the Outlaws has the bat symbol. Batgirl has the bat symbol. Birds of Prey has the bat symbol. Most of the bat books have it. Some of the other books that we have, like Justice League and Justice League of America, they have their own versions of the Justice League logo. Suicide Squad has a target in the middle, you know, as their logo. Some of the mm-hmm. six-issue miniseries actually say six-issue miniseries in it, like Ragman, which we're currently covering over on the Ooh. website. Some other ones that actually have like a logo logo have have their logo instead of a thing that says six-issue miniseries. Some of the other books, like Scooby-Doo, has an actual Scooby-Doo face as the logo. Like Where Are You, Scooby-Doo, which is one of the main kids' book that DC still releases. So it is line-wide. It was to basically differentiate the, the stuff from being DC Rebirth, which is still obviously DC Rebirth, but they don't have the banner at the top anymore. And I will say my thoughts on this are I love it. It goes back to, to me, it's more legacy, more traditional to have the number box on the comic. It also means that the images and the cover art for it will be much more de- more detailed because they won't have this giant chunk of the top of the, the cover art that will be designated for the Rebirth banner and the title and things like that. Like, the title's still there, obviously, but the one thing I do wish that was different was I wish that they would have updated some of the actual title logos like the batman title logo is the same one they've been using since the beginning of the new 52 i wish they would change that with a more updated version or just update all of the logos in general because they did that at the beginning of the new 52 i wish they would have done that at the same time but um i overall like the box so yeah it's fun Wow. Okay. And I also like it. I like that it's black and white. I think it's simple, but it's also, it stands out. But I also think that's probably true of all the new logos because your eye goes to it because it's very different. I will say that I agree with Dustin about now they can utilize their space more without the huge banner. But I did like that on the banner, it said the storyline and what part it was. I thought that was pretty cool because I, like I felt yeah, like I that like was that vintage, too, like going yeah. back, you know, No Man's Land, part five, like going back to that sort of thing. So I do miss that a little bit. Well, maybe they will do that with bigger events maybe. if they do like a crossover over multiple, mm-hmm. like they did with uh, Night of the Monster Man. Maybe they'll bring something like that. It's not to say they couldn't. I feel like the Rebirth thing, though, made they, they kind of overdid it where sometimes there's a story arc going on, like, for example, the Kite Man stuff. Or, you know, do you really need to have it say War of Jokes and Riddles Prelude Part 2? Do you really need that? No, probably not. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I so I mean, like, I don't know how far you have to go in it. But, like, definitely with, like, multi-series crossovers, I think they they should. If they don't intend to, I think they should. This is Batman number 36, Super Friends Part 1, Tom King's script, Clayman pencils and cover, and then Clayman and Sethman inks. Oh, and Jordi Belair cover and interior color. So as you might guess, this is about two super friends. You have (laughs) Superman and Lois and Batman and Catwoman. And each of their stories are running parallel and they're basically talking about the same thing. And the women, as usual, are the smart creatures in the relationship and the men are being stubborn and dumb. Both Lois and Catwoman feel like Batman and Superman should talk to each other and either congratulations or talk about the whole engagement thing, but they don't want to for whatever reason. Catwoman at one point wonders if Batman's ashamed of her, but that doesn't seem to be the issue. Meanwhile, the pairs are also on the trail of 
a similar slash the same case, which it's very unclear right now about the case. I think I'm going to wait until we get further on in the story. But they're on the lookout for Dr. Axe slash, yeah, I guess we'll go with that, or X. Axe or X, and it's because they're getting different information, but it's the same person. And on their way to, it happens to be the same place, so it's one of those things where you get set up on a blind date, I guess. They are each talking about how they very much respect the other person and just with circumstances and how they turned out to be the man that he has turned out to be. So very, you know, very loving. And so they're each going <laughs> to this, the same place, which is pretty comedic, and they all hit the same floor at the same time. And it's a little awkward. And the women, again, being the smart creatures as they are, they uh, end up meeting, making each other's acquaintance, which is lots of fun. And that's basically how it ended, except that Dr. Double X, which perhaps he's the one that they were going after, pops up. And then both Batman and Superman say each other's catchphrases, and then they go off to fight Dr. Double X and finish him very quickly in two panels. So after that, they all want to get a bite to eat. And it says that the next issue is a double date 78 years in the making. (gasps) Okay, so, whew, I have two questions. One, I'll start with this one. I think a lot of times we talk about, especially in this particular era, We're starting to see glimpses of characters that perhaps we haven't seen before. And I think, I I remember, I think the last time we had this discussion was about Alfred and what we thought about that new dimension of his character. And so now I'm going to ask a very similar question because here we get to see a different side, at least I feel like, a different side of the Batman-Superman relationship. Do you think this adds to your perception of what they feel about each other or how we've seen them in comics and other forms of media? Or do you think this is very different than what we've seen and uh, Tom King, as he is wont to do, is, is starting something new and putting his own touch on this particular relationship that apparently is 78 years old, maybe. I would say there there hasn't been a whole lot of incarnations that have explored this sort of relationship between let's say, the two couples, or even this side of Batman and Superman's relationship to a degree. I mean, thinking back, the Batman-Superman series during the New 52, there was a story arc that dealt with Catwoman and Superman with Lois Lane, but I believe they were like alternate versions of the characters. They weren't like the main versions of the characters. I believe there were some other Earth versions that explored how they all had a relationship that intersected with each other and interacted with each other. But this actually, I feel like it's not been explored. So I'm completely okay with them doing this. And I mean, like overall, I think that they bring up some really cool points. They make it seem like Batman and, or Bruce and Clark actually have 
more of a relationship than working relationship. Yeah, sure, we see that in some of the other issues, but this really feels like they're friends, but they they don't know how how good of friends they really are with each other. Where they're constantly just questioning their friendship and whether or not it's it's as strong as you would expect it to be to like talk about certain things. So I think in that regard, there he's doing a really good job. And uh, I had I didn't have very many issues with this this specific issue. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I we've seen, I mean, over the years, it's too numerous to count. Superman and Batman stories. I mean, you could just sit here and start listing them off. There's been a lot of them. I don't think we've had a lot with Lois and Catwoman. I, I, we think we've seen a lot of interaction with, with Batman and Lois. <gasps> yes, world's finest. I ship yeah. Batman. I, 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 we've seen <laughs> we've seen some interaction with them before. Mm-hmm. But think about it, too. Superman and Lois have been a couple off and on, married and unmarried, for... A big majority of Superman's career. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a Superman expert, but they're always been together. And when they weren't during the New Fifty Two, the world kind of lost its its mind for a while. But the truth is, the time where Batman and Catwoman have been a real couple isn't that long. I mean, you have a story here and there, but unless you're taking the Earth Two versions, I don't know. Like, so I mean, like you have, like I said, lots of stories where like Hush, you know, where she plays a major part. But they haven't been together for, like, years of comic book time, so I guess that would limit how much time Superman and her would have to interact, or or her and Lois. I don't think this adds anything for me for the Superman-Batman relationship. I mean, we know they're boys. We know they're friends. And like most friends, we question, you know, we think that our friends are good people or we wouldn't be such close friends with them, especially for someone like Superman and Batman. So it makes sense that they would both kind of think that the other guy is a better guy. They're both semi-humble at heart. For me, the the more curious interaction here is going to be the interaction that we don't get to see a lot. Superman interacting with Catwoman, Batman with Lois. You know, like the, you know what I'm saying? Like we get to see Superman and Batman together all the time. That's it's cool and it's fun and the moments are cool in the book. I don't dislike them or anything, but for me, the more interesting interaction would be seeing Superman and Catwoman having a, a conversation. Absolutely, and I think that was one of the main points because they were both saying how they wanted to meet each other. I think Lois is certainly, as an intrepid reporter, I think she certainly has more of a curiosity. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's very interesting, and I think perhaps one of the my favorite moments was outside of that hotel, outside the elevator, and just the weird conversation going between the two men, and then Catwoman steps behind Bruce and then, you know, reaches over to Lois and they they shake hands and such. Yeah, we've seen, you know, Superman and Batman, I I think inevitably they're they're going to meet they they meet in elseworlds they meet in animation they meet in film now <laughs> you know and and it's a very distinct relationship that they have in my opinion I feel like this is something that we've not seen because I don't know if I've ever seen them well maybe with Justice League with that that film oh we haven't talked about that with that film that came out Perhaps there's more reverence on the side of Bruce than we've seen, especially from Batman versus Superman, um, because you know he realizes that they really need Superman's help. But here, it's like the, how how much admiration they have for each other, and I don't know if I've read that really. Even though they've had so many team ups, they've had the Batman Superman title in in multiple incarnations. I guess at least two. Um, yeah. So so this is yeah. It's, I think it's about the ladies right now which is really interesting and it's just a dimension that we've not really 
needed, I think, before, because as you said, Ed, even besides, there's a rhyme there, said Ed, even besides Bruce having Catwoman, Bruce doesn't really have a steady girlfriend, you know, when Bruce was an amnesiac and was with Vicky Vale, I don't recall... Oh, well, yeah, but Clark went over there. Clark went over there, but Lois wasn't with him. No, but I'm saying it was Julie Madison. Oh, thank you. Okay, thank you for doing that. I remember her tattoos. Sometimes I get them mixed up. (laughs) So, anyway. Because of the tattoos. uh, Anywho. Same tat, different girls. That's explained by a man. Um, But, anywho, I'm looking forward to this with, with with the females. But we'll see if it's Super Friends or the Super Friends Batman and Superman, which is what we expect. Or is there going to be a little team up with Lois and Catwoman? Which is interesting because I have to think about Birds of Prey. I think they're separated by degrees. I don't know if they were ever on the Birds of Prey team together. Because in its initial incarnation, you had sort of, you always had Dinah and Oracle. But then people would like hop on, hop off. So you had the Catwoman. That was during Manhunt. You had during, I think, Showcase 94, you had Lois. But they were never together. So it'd be interesting to think about that. But I guess now you could say in Rebirth continuity that they're on the same team. Because with the Manslaughter arc, they're both on the Birds of Prey. Anywho. Okay, my second question is... I found out while listening to Joshua Lappin-Bertoni's New York Comic Con recap episode that Tom King, I think the number he threw out was either 13 or 17 issues for this arc. Whoa. Let's go with 13 because then it's not as wild. But it was a long, when I was listening to it, I was like, oh dear, sounds like Scott Snyder. So... His, what he said is he, his rules of engagement arc is 13 issues, if that's the number. It's either 13 or 17, but let's go with 13. Do you think this counts as being a part of the rules of engagement arc? So, you know, however long the Super Friends arc is, that's just maybe three or four issues, but in the whole? Or do you think this is, as he has done before, in a side, sort of like he did with the War of Poops and Giggles, he had the Kite Man aside? Uh, what are your thoughts on this in, a, in its place of the rules of engagement, how it's working in there? Okay, it's 17. Uh-huh. That's the number you're looking for. <laughs> and it is specifically because War of Jokes and Riddles ended at number 32. Batman 33 was the initial you know, reveal that he is, if I remember correctly, I'm trying to remember this for sure, but if I remember, yeah, 32 was the last issue of War of Jokes and Riddles, and that's where she says yes. Then 33 is when the two of them go to the Middle East and come in contact with Talia and then that lasted over the three issues and then now we're at 36 with the Super Friends. So it's 17 but the idea is that if if I remember correctly from his explanation it was 17 issues and it's basically him going around talking to his friends explaining what's going on that he's engaged so forth and so on. It was weird knowing that it was 17 issues and that he decided to just skip the entire bad family and I guess go to Talia first and find Holly in the process and then then now go to Superman. But meanwhile, Alfred was the one just to let everybody else know. 
That being said, it was 17, but the thing is, originally when it was Rules of Engagement, I believe that that is just like the first two issues, because now the Super Friends, I think, is two issues, and then there, I believe there's two issues that are featuring Wonder Woman, and then I don't, I can't remember where they're going from there. There's a Poison Ivy story <gasps> at some point in the midst of this, which I'm guessing has something to do with maybe Catwoman goes to her side of, and, you know, maybe tells Harley in an issue and then talks to Poison Ivy. I don't know. I just know that there's a Poison Ivy story coming up, too. All of that being said, I think that this is... He's just doing smaller story arcs right now. I think mm. there's smaller story arcs in a larger story arc. I don't think the 17 issues is really the rules of engagement. I think there was just the first three. Now we're at Super Friends, which is two, if not three. I don't know. I can't remember exactly how the Wonder Woman stuff plays into this, if it's just a new story arc or whatever but if i remember correctly that's the way they're going with it that being said it's supposed to lead to issue 50 which if i remember him saying in a different interview that 50 is supposed to be like an oversized issue who knows what is actually going to happen at that point i mean it's it is happening next year it's not like it's that far out so um we'll be hearing about it sooner rather than later but that all being said i feel like this is just them going the rounds and talking to people that they know and you know, basically the couple of Cat, Catwoman and Batman interacting with their friends, things like that, enemies to a degree with Talia and other people that I'm sure they'll come in contact with. Just seeing how the two of them interact as a engaged couple. So I guess it's 17 for this exploration of the Catwoman-Batman relationship because this is not one long, coherent story. Definitely, yeah, definitely not. You know, like... It's not like this is part one, part two, part three. It's kind of meandering. So you don't think this whole thing is is rules of engagement? It's just called something else? I don't know what it's called, but it's definitely not rules of engagement because that was just the Talia story. I think Tom King, when he says that, is referring to the overall engagement arc. Maybe in his mind it's all rules of engagement. Maybe they... I don't know what they call it, but the Tom King Catwoman slash Batman engagement arc... I'm doing air quotes again. ...is 17 issues. It doesn't seem like it's going to be any type of coherent story. It looks like we're going to get a little three-shot of this, a little three-shot of that, a little three-shot of this. 17's a lot. I mean, at least we're getting two issues a month, so we're not having to space it out over a year and a half. <laughs> you know, I mean, so that would be one thing. I do hope that this isn't... I, I hope this isn't a countdown to the end of the Batman-Catwoman relationship in 17 issues. That would suck. And I get that... This is kind of a cool memory lane stuff. And what's written here isn't bad. It's not like I read it and I'm like, this is Drac! You know, but, you know, it's almost like how many more issues of walking around talking about them being engaged and meeting people can we... You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I get uh, it. At this point, I don't have any problems with them continuing to do this. I don't care if they keep going. You mean just like an issue where we go see a character every two weeks and say we're engaged? Well, it would be once a month because it seems like they're they're at least spending a month with the whoever they're visiting so like it was 36 and it'll be 37 that they're with superman and lois we know one roman's coming up after that talia was before that i i mean honestly like the talia stuff i had some issues with but i mean like this this was really good this the the entire story with superman and lois lane like if we get these shorter form stories from tom king which i think he's better at than the longer stuff I'm completely okay with that for at least the time being. If we want to do like a, you know, a, basically a, a holding pattern over the engagement to not have to like 
rush things along. I mean, like, where where do we need to go? I mean, like, where do you go from here? If they don't keep Tell meeting a story. people or interacting with each other, you know, just as a engaged couple, you either have to get to the, the wedding or you have to get to the point well, where they break up. And I don't need the desire for that to happen, you know, immediately in the foreseeable not foreseeable, I should say, like in the immediate future. I don't need that to happen like right away. I don't so I'm think okay with them just doing shorter story arcs. And quite honestly, I'd rather him do shorter story arcs than the longer stuff. I see. I don't think that's true. Like people don't get engaged and get married two months later. Like they could be engaged for a year or two, especially with their lives, planning a wedding. I mean, right. But what do you, but, but you're saying you don't want to see them interacting with other people. No, I don't want to see I don't want to see two issues of let's go talk to Wonder Woman, let's go talk to Greenland. Dude, throw an engagement party like everyone else in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like I do not want 17 issues of two weeks with Superman, two weeks with Wonder Woman, two issues with Greenland. Like stop. Seriously, like I just I'm sorry. I find this to be just I mean, it's well written, but it's boring. I mean, it's to me it's just not interesting. Like it's just not. I mean, especially if it's going to go on for two more months. Like, I just com- I completely disagree. How but, dare I mean, you, everybody, sir. everybody their own. No, that's what's cool. I mean, we don't. We're not always going to agree. It just for me, this is kind of like, okay. I no, get it. some of us really enjoy Death of the Family, and some of uh, us didn't. Always comes back to that. Hey, what can we say? Some of us got taste. Every day, hey. I regret telling <laughs> uh, Dustin that you'd be a good pick for the comic cast. Every I day. I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <sighs> I have (laughs) I think that this whole thing is rules of engagement I think that this is just like going around because the big I mean the central focus is that neither of them want to talk about this white elephant that's in the room and so I think even though the entire arc is going to be that I think it's going to be split up into smaller stories I like this almost world tour but I think it only makes sense if He's hitting people that he's actually close with. I don't think, I I think the Trinity, absolutely. So if it's Wonder Woman X, absolutely. I don't think that it should go down the route of Death of Damien. I can't remember what that was called. Because remember he was hitting up all these different people and it was Aquaman. I think Frankenstein was one of the people. So let's not, let's go to people that he actually cares about i don't think barbara gordon was in that room so it'd be nice if he maybe told her about that um hey guess what your pseudo mom-in-law is gonna be this or stepmom i guess not really i said pseudo yeah so i you know i kind of like that story but i don't want it to go on for too long that it 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 weakens the impact because i think that this was really good and so if you keep doing the same thing then it starts to get weaker each time right let's be clear we have no idea what he actually is going to do for these 17 issues yeah, i'm just saying we never do i know what's happening sure. in you know these two issues with superman and one uh, superman and lois lane i know that the next issue has wonder woman that's 38 or 39 i think i i but i don't know what's after that and it might not be just hey i'm engaged it just might be hey there's some other guest appearing in Batman for a while alongside Batman and Catwoman. I mean, like, I just pulled up the solicitations for the Poison Ivy story that's going to start in issue number 41, and it says Poison Ivy has taken control of all the people on the planet, and somehow Batman and Catwoman are the only ones who have not been affected by her for some reason. So it's clearly the two of them could just be working to take down Poison Ivy. I mean, like, that could be the case, too. I'm just saying, like, I'm okay with these shorter story arcs that explore the relationship of Batman and Catwoman. 
I don't necessarily want him doing 17 issues of let's go to this person, let's go to that person. I don't want like like Stella was saying the the stages of grief That's where we end up was. seeing Frankenstein and Aquaman. Yeah. That's not super necessary, but I think that these shorter story arcs that he's telling there's a lot more development with the characters. I'm learning more about the two of them as a couple rather than let's just have some massive thing where they're involved. I mean, I'm, I'm learning more in these last couple issues about the two of them than I did the entire time they were working together during the I Am Bane storyline, which lasted like six months. So I'm okay with the shorter stuff if we if, if he's developing the characters more like it like he has been at least over the the last couple issues. Mm. So I wish. Gotham City Sirens were still in continuity because it'd be interesting for Catwoman to have her own little going off to see her girlfriends and like talk about that or, you know, have a really wacky bachelorette party. But, you know, I'm afraid that's not going to work. But I feel like I can already answer the question of why they're not affected because if Catwoman, I think Catwoman spent enough time with Ivy that she has probably been inoculated like Ivy did that to Harley when they were living together. Plus Harley and Ivy are together. So she probably has to have it inoculations and you know, Batman's crazy. He knows all that stuff. I, I think, you know, that's, that's really, those are really the two main questions that I have. Maybe I'll, I'll save it, but something to keep in the back of your mind is whether this doc, acts if that was distracting at all to the story and really the main story is you know batman and superman but i i guess i kind of want to wait to see if this criminal element pops up again because if it doesn't then i guess it was just a little distraction or you know just a little side thing to get them together but if it's a continuing story so maybe i'll save that for next time if i even remember that's all i have all right so i'm going to give this issue a total of four out of five. I'm gonna give this total two and a half out of five. Oh my gosh! Wow. Who even are wow. you? <laughs> okay, three. I'll give it three. I'll give it three out of five. Oh uh, yeah, it's so. not bad. Oh, it's just bumped it up. after some cajoling. He bumped it up because he realized Stella was the one who suggested that he came here. Come uh, here. Yeah, I mean, oh you gotta God. take care of those to take care of you. I know it's cool. I'm gonna but, give this a five out of five. I I thought it was really well done. Five out of five. Yes, I thought it was. Yo, great. crazy. Sure. Maybe if you weren't right. drinking the We're Snyder Kool-Aid, your mind would be open. I'll read it again after this, just to make sure <laughs> I didn't miss something great, because you guys give it really high ratings, and uh, I respect you guys, so I'll go and read it again. But Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you didn't have any desire to do that until Stella gave you some crap. But <laughs> no, anyway. no, I mean, hey, what are you, what are you, what are you anyway, going to do? Uh, over on the site, Matthew gave it four and a half out of five, so I'm going to give See? this issue, or so over, not me, 4. overall, 8? this issue is going to get four out of five batteries. I am standing in a field alone on this one, aren't I? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think you are. I honestly think you <laughs> and are. And that's yeah. how it feels when I always say that Dark Knight Metal is terrible. Now you know how it And feels. then you say something like that. Ugh. Come on, Stella. It's great. It's great. It's great. I promise. <laughs> sure. I think I was more hurt by you saying that Doomsday Clock was terrible. I thought that was pretty bad, too, really? actually. And I'm not yeah. alone oh, on that. I'm I know. That, I I'm just so, can't believe I'm so that. I was more I'm hurt by alone. that. I was okay, shocked. I could, see, I could see people not liking Dark Knight's Metal just because of the violence and stuff like that and the over-necessity for the gruesomeness and Continuity. certain aspects. Yeah. But Doomsday Clock, it, it's just good comics. All right, anyway. It's as good as it gets. Let's Let's move on. Let's move on. 
Detective Comics number 970, written by James Tang IV, art by Joe Bennett. This issue starts off, asleep in the Belford chair, Tim Drake dreams of Bat Tim's warning to him that everything he just returned to will be over sooner than he can imagine. He wakes, sweating to Stephanie Brown, leaning over him in concern. He brushes her worry to the side, even though it's been four days since he's had a real sleep in a bed. Similar to the way Batman, who's over in Justice League number 34, went three days without sleep and had disastrous consequences. He takes micro-naps, but Steph reminds him that he died just months ago. Still impatient, he tells Steph all the ideas won't let him rest for too long. Organizing the Bat family, coordinating secretly with the police, planning patrols of the entire city with all of the manpower, and even starting a Bat ambulance service with Leslie Tompkins, Steph begs him to slow down and listen to himself, but Tim feels like he can't miss his chance to reshape the world. Batman and Batwoman riding motorcycles discuss the Batman's premonition of danger as well and Batwing open up a truck full of cyber assassins and Batman and Batwoman notice that the assassins use the same stances as the knights. The Batman uh, and Batman connects it with Mayor Atkins' footage of the team's activities. Meanwhile, Dr. October consults the cl with Clayface, telling him that a cure is almost possible. He wants to give it to Gloria Griffin Mudface first, since he's still not sure if he deserves a chance to be better. Orphan walks in, asking if Basil is ready, and he tentatively agrees. At Batwoman's headquarters, she takes off her uniform, and her father appears. He helps her with her injuries from the cyber assassins, despite her hostility from his betrayal with the colony. He tells Kate that the colony has also gotten the video footage of the team that the mayor and the villains have, and that Red Robin has reached out to the colony to see if they can work together. He warns Kate that if Tim doesn't stop expanding Batman's army, the government may be compelled to step into Gotham, and that something darker is also afoot, hidden by Tim's efficiency. Afoot. As uh, whatever I say, a foot. I don't care. That's fine. Foot? I liked it. That's why I repeated it. As Cass and Clayface <laughs> take down the Cyber Assassins factory, she tells him to take this chance at life, leave the fighting behind, and she'll help him be good. Tim calls Steph to the Belfry and accuses her of leaking the footage to all of the various groups. She agrees that it was her phone, but proves that anarchy is behind the distribution. She goes to find out Lonnie's plan and tells Tim angrily that by assuming she would betray the knights like that, he has betrayed their relationship. She also reveals that she knows he doesn't plan to retire like he did before his death and tells him she's leaving, not sure if she's just exiting, quitting the team, or breaking up with him, or all the above. After she's gone, Tim pulls up Anarchy's cell feed from Arkham and sees that it's empty. At Arkham itself, Clayface is offering Glory the Cure. Guards rush in, stunning Clayface, and she reveals that the Victim Syndicate has revealed footage of his work with Batman to the media. Clayface asks why she's doing this, and she says she can't forgive him and let him try to live a good life. As she reveals her plan, the first victim and Anarchy come up behind her. All right. So, first things first. So, it seems like Steph and Tim could be completely on the uh. outs after their, I guess, in some ways, we thought it was a hasty reunion and the fact that they just kind of got back together so quickly in the last issue and the fact that she was just brought back onto the team so quickly without real explanation because it all happened off panel. Now she's leaving him, the team, who knows what, but it's all bad. Just one issue it's later, so thoughts on their relationship. You'd think 
we lived in a world where coming back from the dead would get you more than two issues of relationship peace, wouldn't you? I mean, you, you were you were dead, and now you're back. So you would think that they would at least have some type of honeymoon phase, right? Like, well, you know, I thought you were dead. Like, I mean, I would like to think that if my wife thought I got, you know, smoked in a car accident, and I miraculously walked out of the woods six months later, that, you know, we'd we'd all be we'd be happy for a while before we like I got in trouble for not doing the dishes or something. But no, I just. I get, I get why she's upset, but I think that this could have a little more to play where Steph may feel a little bad about her semi-romantic thoughts about anarchy while Tim was gone. I think that maybe her own guilt's getting the better over here. And a, and a, a bit of embarrassment as well, to be honest with you. I mean, it was her phone that she allowed, allowed or, you know, was not aware of, but that Anarchy used her phone to hack and, and cause damage to the team and to Tim. So I think there could be some embarrassment here and some, some regret on her that she's kind of laying off on Tim. But that being said, you know, her whole thing was they were going to leave this life. And Tim doesn't look like he's going to do that now. So she may feel a bit of betrayal there. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff all, all kidding aside about him getting some domestic bliss, there's a lot of stuff going on there, and I think it's just kind of boiling point for Stephanie. I mean, think about it. One of the things we said before was how unrealistic was it that she was just back on the team? You know, so I think that there is does need to be some some conflict here. So, yeah, I'm okay with it, I guess. I've had, I think in the previous episode, I complained about it to begin with. I mean... I guess I'm glad the relationship is where it is right now because Steph doesn't need to, number one, be accused of something that she didn't do. Now, I will, of course, step back and and revisit this statement if, of course, she did do it, but she's able to prove that she didn't because, you know, someone hacked into her phone. So that, where's the trust? And number two, you know, she wasn't given the benefit of the doubt. Number two, he, he's been lying to her. And even Kate Kane, again, you know, she was saying that as the one who's usually the crappy person in the relationship, you're being the crappy person in the relationship. So, you know, it's passionate because they were able to reconnect, but so much has changed. They have gone through so much. You know, this is like, you know, a loved one who is missing for a long time, and then they come back, and perhaps you moved on because you thought that person had passed away. I mean, your lives are different. It's hard to get back to that place. Stephanie is not the Stephanie from 2016, I guess. That's when it happened, all began. And and Tim went through that traumatic event. So I think it's understandable that they don't have a strong relationship right now, and this is probably... Unfortunately, because I, you know, I like to ship people. Uh, this is probably where it should be for the safety of both of these uh, individuals. I would prefer the characters got along, but I mean, this well, was yeah. kind of bound to happen always, with yeah. the fact that he he specifically decided that he is going to stay on the team, and that was not what they were planning on doing before. I mean, and then the fact that he chose not to actually disclose that information to her right away when they got back together. That's that's a big. I mean, that was a red flag to begin with. So the other part of this is it almost feels like there wasn't a lot of focus on them getting back together and, and them exploring that aspect of their relationship just because this was just coming in the next issue. I think I complained last issue that the fact that they got back together, she was just brought back on the team, all happened so briefly over just a couple of pages. And then 
off panel completely with that her coming back to the team. But all of that being said, it it almost makes my argument not as worth it last issue considering now they're having massive problems here in this issue. The other thing I want to discuss is this the, the, I didn't realize or figure out what was going on. Tim has always been a guy who's obviously trying to figure out better ways of making everything run smoothly. But when they start laying out all the things that he is like currently involved in, working with the police, trying to bring the colony to work into into work with them, um, working with the Bat family as usual, but then also like running a Bat ambulance service, like it, there's some crazy, crazy stuff that he is doing that like. It seems like yes, obviously there are people out there who can manage a, mil- a you know a ton of things, but it does feel like, especially when after hearing Jacob Kane's warning to Batwoman about how he's he, he's becoming too efficient, it's like foreshadowing something horrible is going to happen. I mean, I don't know what ex- what it is at this point. I don't I don't know that I feel like 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 we all assumed Kate is going to step in and say something about all of the stuff that's going on and that in turn is going to set off some sparks and that's why that's you know basically kate is going to have a major issue with the team because of it and i'm not saying i want that to happen but it feels like that is definitely the direction the story is going because i don't think that batman's going to sit there and say you know what tim you're doing an amazing job you're doing like 15 more things than i'm normally doing but hey i want you to stop it all right now like, that's not the character of Batman. Mm-hmm. Batwoman, on the other hand, I could actually see her being the character to walk in and say, hey, don't you think your reach is a little bit too far here? Batman, I don't see... Have, I don't. I just don't see Batman having a, a, as big of a concern about that. that. That being said, outside of that, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on whether or not you think that... Or where where do you think this is at? Like at this point, what do you where do you, what is your guess as to where this is heading with Tim having so many so many fingers in so many different pies right now what what do you think where where do you think this is going i think or i slash want maybe a better mm. word to put mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. i think that tim's gonna have a mental breakdown <gasps> he's he's just gonna it's too much it's, you know go too, much, too much too much there you go <laughs> and he's just gonna lose it. And he's just gonna flip out one day. They're gonna find him strung out on no dos, and you know, like just totally like I can do a million things at once. Yeah, seriously, I do. And I think that this is gonna be the segue for him and Stephanie. That Batman's gonna tell Stephanie, "You need to get him away from all this. He's 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 too close. He's got to decompress." And him and Steph will go, you know, away to college or on a beautiful backpacking tour of oh, Asia, beautiful. or you know. Something like that. But I think that that's what will happen. I think that he'll finally break. It'll be too much stress. And him and Steph will get shipped off. And they'll go do their backpacking tour. Or their one year at, you know, uh, the local community college. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, skiing in the Alps. And then Ooh. they'll come back rested. And a strong couple. And they'll be together for the next 20 years. Wow. So they're going on a couple's retreat. Of course. Sponsored by Wayne Enterprises. Do you remember? Yeah. Have you ever seen Mad Men? Uh, I think, Dustin, you also have, haven't you? Do you yes, remember the crazy old. end where Don Draper goes with the daughter of that yeah, into that crazy the, little camp thing, and then yeah, he has his he vision. Besides, he's that's where he's going to stay. Yeah. Well, maybe unless he get well, it's all to interpretation. Here's my scandalous thing for the day: Tim Drake okay. is going to transition into a villain. Wah wah wah! 
because come he, on, he, yeah, he's instead of his no dose because I don't even know what that means. He's gonna have a mental breakdown, no-dose. but be a villain. You don't know what no dose is? So what's a no dose? No dose is like caffeine pills. Oh my gosh! Like I no no dose, like no sleep, no sleep. Yeah. Oh no dose, no like a like don't yeah. doze off kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. no dose. That's sick. Who yeah. would take those? And it's ex- no, it's extreme. I used to take them. Oh, I used to take them when I was much younger. Justin. I used to take them in college. Are you kidding me? That's how I stayed up and study. Mm-hmm. Scotch and no dose. Here's the I mean, thing. It's not a great I was between between working uh, sixty hours a week and going to school full time. Yeah, definitely popping well, those. Well, you didn't yeah, pop them sure. when you were overseas, did you? No, okay, no, I want no. to be I'm not, sure. I'm not talking about then. I'm talking Ooh. about before I was in the military. Okay. Uh, yep, I, I was think, working two different jobs oh, full time, and I was also I was going to school full time. Wow. I just I wanted money. I needed money to pay for I school, and money. yet I basically slept like three minutes at a time. So. Three minutes. He was Tim Drake. I micro guess naps. micro naps. There yeah, you micro go. naps. Yep. Um. Yes. Uh. Villain. I dropped the V word for like more than six months. Mm. Like a long term villain. Uh. No. Or temporary but villainess. I think, yeah. A villainous I think this streak. Whole I just think that this Kate Kane is is a is a double blind. Is that what it's called? I think we're just being led astray because it's all about her. The focus is on her of like, oh, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? But it seems like she's playing it pretty straight, and all of these things that he's doing seem pretty shady. So I think he's gonna cast some shade on her, and she's gonna get in trouble. But it's him. Hmm. I think that he's going down a bad way. He's going down the Cass Kane way. You know what I'm saying? I think our two theories could come together and get married <laughs> because. Okay. Yours, seriously, the like so we'll, we'll merge them into one okay. super theory. He'll get sure. he'll get villainous. Yep. He'll go villainous, right? And then after his villainous turn, he'll come back to reality because he's been taking too much no dose. That's oh what made gosh. him go villainous. Yeah. Right. And then at the end, he'll become he'll Whew. repent for okay. his villainous actions. And Bruce will realize that him and Stephanie need to go on that backpacking oh retreat in Asia together, sponsored by Wynn Enterprises. Bam. There you go. Super theory. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see, huh? Here you go. Yeah. And to any listener out there who's potentially wondering why sometimes these these take two hours to get through, it's because of crazy, crazy ideas like this that need to be explained at great details. Oh. So, Detective Comics, I'm going to give a total of three and a half out of five. Three out of five. I will give it a three out of five as well. Quick question. Why, when Clayface visits Mudface, why does he have an orange jumper on? Is Because this happened before. Is he pretending to be an inmate in order to talk to her? And as a sub-question, why does he need like a private room to talk to her? Because that's more like a visitor from the outside going to talk to her. Did anyone catch that? He was wearing an orange jumpsuit, which you uh, saw when Steph was in there. And that one makes sense because it's like, oh, he's an inmate. But here it's like he's a visiting family member. So I didn't know why he needed an orange jumpsuit. That would only make sense if he was yeah. beginning to be an, but an inmate. Anyway, yeah. That was just something I wondered about. But yeah, three. Three out of five. Yeah. All right. So over on the website, Ian gave it three and a <gasps> half. So that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three out of five pet ranks. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to Greater Gotham. Uh, 
Uh, December 6th, main TV books where he talked about Batman number 36. Nightwing number 34, the fate of Bloodhaven is down to Nightwing, Blockbuster, and the runoffs as Raptor and Pigeon make their final moves. This is you by Paul. He gave it one out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Abstain. Uh, yeah, it was no good. I give a thumbs down as well. Secondary TBU books, Batman White Knight number three. The Bat family must cope with tragic loss in the family as Joker continues to execute his plan to hold Batman accountable, all while the former Harley Quinn changes her identity. Super Adil, he gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number two, Aww. number one. Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles deal with their power struggles within the Foot Clan and the League of Assassins. This is reviewed by Paul. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs down. Joking. Oh my Abstain. gosh. He does that on purpose because he knows it's going to get yeah, you. Yeah, especially the turtles. Didn't you do this last time? You never read the turtles. Yes, he stuff. did. I don't read the yeah, turtles. Yeah, it's so annoying. Up. Thumbs up. It's a shame. I know. The Shadow, Batman, number three. The Shadow and Batman strike back at the Secret Seven from their civilian identities as a shocking truth is revealed. This is by Paul. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. Bane Conquest, number eight. Bane continues to lose control of his underground network and his hold on Cobra and seeks out a new member for his team. This is by David. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Neutral. Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica number three. After both teams experience a body switch with the other, both groups use their new situations to their advantage. This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give it a neutral. Abstain. Neutral. Main DC Universe books, Justice League number 34. The League faces three threats at the same time, which puts Batman in a rare situation and having an error in judgment. This is by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Abstain. DC Holiday Special 2017 number one, a collection of 12 holiday stories featuring a variety of characters, including many from the Batman universe. This was by Ian. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain, but it's on my, it's on my shelf because I always love these, so I can't wait to read it. If, If anybody out there was potentially turned off by this based off of the Halloween one, go check it out. The, this was this one was way, way better than the Halloween one. It's much better. <laughs> yeah, the Christmas ones usually are, generally. All right, secondary DC Universe books, Bombshells United number 7, including digital chapters 13 through 14, the Bombshell versions of Bruce Wayne, Martha Wayne, Thomas Wayne, Batwoman, Catwoman, Renee Montoya, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Harper Rowe, Joker's daughter, Colin Rowe, Elisa Yao, Kathleen Duquant, I know I'm saying that wrong. Duquesne. 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 There we go. I couldn't remember how to say it. And Jason Todd all appear in the issue. Green Arrow, number 35, Black Canary and Kate Spencer appear in the issue. Kate Spencer, as you know, as some of you may know, Manhunter, formerly a member of the Birds of Prey. Injustice 2, number 15, digital chapters number 26 through 30, the Injustice version of Nightwing, Damian Wayne, appears in the issue. Moving over to... December 13th, main TBU books, Detective Comics number 970, where I talked about. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey number 17, the vast majority of the female heroes of the DC Universe band together with a few villains to stop Patient Zero's plan of killing all the men in Gotham. This is right, Jerry. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Neutral until I do some further exploration. Red Hood and the Outlaws, which means she wants you to tune into Batgirl. That's basically it. Yes. Fair, fair. 
Fair enough. I'll plug it Thank for you. you. Uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 17. With the help of the Suicide Squad, the Outlaws disable a futuristic generator of the colony that almost destroys the world. Despite the victory, Jason and Artemis are still unsure about the new personality of Bizarro. This is by Bill. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Secondary TBU books, Ragman number three. As more of Rory's backstory is told, Ragman must battle against new demons, which leads to some assistance from Etrigan. This is by Corbin. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Abstain. Main DC Universe books, Titans number 18. The Titans spearheaded by Donna Troy defeat Troya and her avatars. This is by Tony. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Thumbs up. Justice League of America number 18, still without the help of Batman, the team takes down the threat of both Afterthought and Prometheus. This is by Matthew. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Thumbs down. This book is going the wrong way. Yikes. Abstain. Suicide Squad number 31, the Red Wave monster moves closer to Earth as the Suicide Squad are reunited with an old teammate. This is by Paul. He gave it one out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Abstain. And then secondary DC Universe books, Gotham City Garage number 5, which includes digital chapters 9 through 10. The Gotham City Garage versions of Batman, Barbara Gordon, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, and Joker all appear in the issue. New Superman number 18, Batman, Batman of China, and Robin Bot all appear in the issue. And then finally, TBU trades and hardcovers from the past two weeks include Batman and Robin Adventures Volume 2 trade paperback, Batman Noir, the Court of Owls hardcover, Justice League, the Power Rangers hardcover, Justice League of America, the Detroit area on the Biss hardcover, Suicide Squad Volume 7, the Dragon's Horde trade paperback, Teen Titans Go Volume 4, Smells Like a Teen Titan Spirit trade paperback, Batman Unwrapped, The Death of the Family Hardcover, Batman Volume 4, The War of Jokes and Riddles Trade Paperback, Trinity Volume 1, Better Together Trade Paperback, Trinity Volume 2, Dead Space Hardcover, Suicide Squad Volume 4, Earthlings on Fire Trade Paperback, and DC Universe by John Byrne Hardcover. So that's everything that's released in the last two weeks. That does not include a Batgirl Omnibus that is still not released. So please, please... Keep checking every week for the comic book roundup that we release on Saturday mornings, and then you'll finally know when the Omnibus has released. Finally. That seems fair. That being said, we're going to jump into our listener Q&As. There's just a couple of comments we're going to cover here over on the comments. So the first comment we have comes from Ian. Do you think that the Batman Eternal backstory where Selina is the daughter of Rex Calabrese and, oh, the, wasn't he the lion? And her time as a mafia don are still in continuity? Smiley emoticon. The Helena Wayne of the Batman annual seems to be Batwoman, not Huntress, though. I hope this year's annual will win in Eisner. Well, Tom King did win in Eisner for the last annual, right, with the little dog? Regarding who betrays the team in tech, I don't think that, quote, too obvious, quote, is going to stop Tanya. I love the guy. He's definitely my current favorite Bat writer, but he's never shied away from the obvious. Smiley emoticon. 
As for Steph, I think it's clear Tanya's not dismissing her issues. Solicits clearly say that she's going to have conflict in the next issue. I definitely don't think they're going to have Steph fight against the team since they already did that plot at the end of the victim syndicate. Clayface was an Arkham to see Glory slash Mudface. Oh, so this is answering my question from last issue. As we've seen that several times over the past year. Tech was a lot more controversial than I thought it would be. A lot of the issues really feel to me like set up for future story. Like Steph for joining the team and the rat catcher thing is a mistake. But since I haven't been reading Mother Panic, I didn't notice. <gasps> Aha! I didn't hate Doomsday Clock, but I didn't love it either. Aha! A little too much setup, not enough actually happening yet. Mm. I love Stella being so cranky about it. Stay the course, Stella. I also, yeah, agree that metal is vastly overrated. Woo! See, I'm not alone. Do we need to pause now, or do we want me to continue? No, we can finish this comment. <laughs> I, okay, Batman, Creature of the Night. Also didn't do anything for me. I love Superman, Secret Identity, but this didn't feel like a solid enough story to me yet. I'm happy to hear Dustin enjoy the Super Sons annual. I smiled when I read Detective Chimp in it, thinking of him. Oh, Dustin. New Talent Showcase was really underbaked. They really shouldn't publish these, especially at $10. There are a lot of characters, sure, but the stories are just mediocre. Even, maybe especially, the Snyder Wonder Woman story. That thing didn't even have an ending. You should do a poll of Top Rebirth series on the site. I think we have a serious problem in terms of editorial at this time because we actually don't seem to have a bat office anymore with the departure of Mark Doyle. You have Jamie Rich editing Batman and Chris Conroy editing tech and both of them editing various titles in the bat books. I agree that the crossovers are good for sales, though, as Dustin wisely points out, just temporarily. But what you say is exactly what I'm talking about. Batman getting engaged should be the event that gets fans talking, that DC uses to get more sales. I think saying that metal breathing life into the universe, bleh, would require that we see impact on more than just sales. The only thing metal, bleh, is breathing life into story-wise is the metal one-shots and crossovers. I was hoping that I could cut this down. Sad-faced emoticon. Okay, so real quick. <laughs> yes, yes. When I read your comment, I was trying to remember what I was talking about when I said metal breathing life into the universe. And let me be clear, it wasn't that metal is like some massive event that is line-wide doing wonders. It's not. It's, it's doing great for DC Comics, the company, because they're selling a bunch of issues. It was just announced recently by Scott Snyder that... All of the metal stuff that's released up to this point is going back for third printings. Red Death, Woo! the Red Death one shot's going back for a fourth printing. So let's just say wow. they're making a bucket load of money off of the metal stuff, which is great for DC Comics. That allows them to, let's just say, like we talked about earlier, maybe take a little bit more risks and do a little bit more miniseries that have, like, not as popular of a characters and not sit there and say, well, we don't. We're not going to give these people a chance because we're we're hurting for funds. It, honestly, <laughs> during the New 52, it really did feel like they were hurting for money and there was stuff being canceled all the time. And then all of a sudden they'd have some sort of thing where they'd be like, oh, we're trying a bunch of new things, but we don't let them actually have a chance to succeed. So forth and so on. I don't think that metal is breathing life into the universe, <gasps> per se. I think it's just breathing life into the coffers of DC Comics, coffers. which is which can be a good thing. 
in the long run for fans who want to see more miniseries, who want DC to take more risks. Because by having super successful events and saying, hey, look at all this stuff that DC has been able to do, it gives them the ability to take more risks and not worry as much about the sales of some of the lower-selling comics, per se. I mean, if you really like, let's say, Mother Panic, or like, for example, Gotham Academy, which a lot of people... We've had a lot of people who have said they really liked it. That book really wasn't selling that great, but they let it last probably a lot longer than they would have if it was releasing, let's say, five years ago. So I'm completely okay with an event like Metal happening and then selling a ton of issues of it and making a ton of money on it if it allows them to give some of the smaller stuff you know, a fighting chance and actually actually be able to tell the story, whether it be a six-issue miniseries or whatever. So I'm okay with that. Basically, everything else you said, I don't have a whole lot of comments. <gasps> although, yes, Detective Chimp in Super Sons was the highlight of my month overall. Ooh. I think Metal is breathing life Ugh. into the DC Comics universe. I think Metal is Ugh. wonderful. Um, I, I think it is... So dripping with long-term <laughs> continuity uh, and history. You're sick. I had to say. You're sick. I know. Uh, I just think it's great, you know, and I think that it's going to have long-term ramifications, but we're not going to see them now. I can't believe that there was another person in the world that agreed with Stella That's about because, Doomsday Clock. That's because, come on, um, you're not the only opinion around here. Absolutely not, as we saw back on the Batman issue where I was left standing in the field, you know, by myself. I don't know. I I think Doomsday Clock is magnificent, and I don't know how you guys can't love it. So I, I, I wait a second. That. Wait a second. Why are we saying you guys? <laughs> I like you guys. I mean Ian. I mean I mean Ian and Stella. Okay, okay. I was gonna say. Wait a second. Yeah. I actually like the book. Yeah. No. No. I mean I mean Ian and Stella. Like okay. I can't believe I can't believe when Stella said that. I'm like she doesn't like it. Maybe she's just pulling our leg. And then Ian agrees. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It is. It is Ian and Stella is that a is that a, your pen name? Ian and Stella. Oh, that I'm technically writing? Ian Miller. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe next time that what's where your your name will be at the beginning of the. Po- I just <laughs> I can't I find that hard to believe because it's it's so amazing. Someone's pulled the wool over your eyes. His first name is Scott and his last name is Snyder. Doomsday clock's not even by Snyder. <laughs> I know, but every I think you've just been drinking that. <laughs> I know, but I'm gonna say it anyway. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, but the thing is, I think you're just led astray because uh, because of him. I think there's a big difference there because I personally don't like everything Snyder does, but I think Doomsday Clock is great. I think Jeff Johns has a very good take on the overall universe. I agree with that. Snyder, I think, can tell good stories, but I think his stories can be attributed to a variety of different characters if you really take a step back and look at it. Jeff Johns gets the entire universe. And I say that knowing that Snyder's doing a story within the entire DC universe right now, and I don't have a ton of major issues with it. There's a new issue coming out while you're listening to this. Uh, There's going to be a new issue of Dark Knight's Metal that's going to be coming out, and then Hawkman Found is right around the corner, too, which is another part of the, the metal run. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see, I guess, for now. All right, let, let's keep going, because we got another big one from Brett, who tends to always send us in some really long ones. A big one. So, Brett, buddy, I don't know, you're killing us, man. You are absolutely killing us. I know this that uh, you, you did make a comment, actually, 
it, yeah, it actually it probably eh, it's a little longer. Maybe there's just more topics that he covers. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll say this, okay? Um, you you thank you for at least acknowledging the fact that we have to cut down the comments and that you're okay with it. We appreciate that. He specifically goes on to say that he does not he understands that we have to cut down, but we're going to go through the majority of it. The vast majority of the stuff that you're talking about is not stuff that we're going to have to ask questions. So we're just going to jump into it and we'll stop right after you get through your points. But so go ahead. That's the problem. There's always so much to talk about. It's hard to cut down when. The books are pretty good. The reviews and podcasters have good questions. And the storylines are flowing. Batman Annual 2. He will get an Eisner for it. I'd bet a Pat's Cheese Steak on that. However, I believe it was Chris in the comments below that sent me to Gotham by Geek to listen to the interview by Tom King, which you should check out if you haven't. I feel like he implied some other cool things in his discussion. He never came out and said this, but it seemed like he hinted at it to me on these are the things that he hinted at number one Cass wasn't in the picture for a reason at the end of the issue why he didn't elaborate but he slid that comment in the discussion number two he implied that this story may not be taking place on our earth one in parentheses prime yeah whatever you want to call it earth Maybe the story even switches from our Earth in the beginning to another Earth at the end. So this future isn't canon in my opinion. Earth 2. I agree. Wow, that was breathy. I agree on Detective. I think it will also be obvious. To me, Doomsday Clock was amazing. Oh, pishaw, pishaw. I don't mind the setup. We've waited this long for answers already, so I can wait longer. And I love Watchmen, so I'm cool with it being a continuation of the story. The art was mega level good, too. My only hate on it is having to wait on the next issue. I'm with Ed on Creature of the Night. It just didn't do it for me. Talent Showcase was mad. And yes, the Wonder Woman story just never ended. I'm down... Man, I'm down with a poll of top rebirth. There, you better get on it, Dustin. Two people. That's a crowd. Move yeah, it. I, gotta, I guess I got to start looking for a plug-in to do yeah. polls. Well, you know where you can do it. Do it on Twitter. You can do it on the Twitter. You have a daily poll. You tried that once on before, the, didn't on you? On the Twitter. On the Twitter, yeah. I did. I did. did not turn not out a well? lot of people did it, okay. but I mean, there was. I mean, we got responses. But anyway, keep going. The people need incentives, you know. It seems like editorial is a problem. And people who read a ton of comics are the ones that see the continuity issues, like a rat catcher, for example, or a V, if you will. But if you don't read everything, then you don't notice. In a perfect world, the story would be fantastic with no continuity issues, but it seems like that's impossible. Which uh, would you rather, here's a nice little game, better story with okay continuity or flawless continuity with okay story? I think we'd all go with well, better story. Let's, let's just Don't stop there. We'll, we'll, we'll stop it there. Specifically, uh-huh. I would prefer if it was great continuity <gasps> and good story. Like there's a middle oh, ground. I think on. there's a middle ground between these. Like saying better story with okay continuity or flawless co- continuity with okay. I think there's a middle ground, which is what about a good continuity with good story? I mean, like, I'd be fine with that. I don't think that you should have to... I don't think one suffers because of the other either. I mean, honestly, there's no reason that you can't have great continuity and great story. There's no reason you can't. It's just... That's that's not what he's asking. I don't care if that's oh what he's asking. God. That's what I'm answering. He, he's, uh, my answer is definitively, when we went through the DCU bubble continuities, I proclaim and will proclaim him, continuity <gasps> is dead. Um, I, I don't get, uh, give me a great story. Blast I, I mean, me. Blast me. I, I know, you. no doubt. I, I wish all the continuity worked, 
but I want the great story, period. Like, if you tell me a great story, it's the best Batman story I've ever seen, but in this story, it's there's some continuity errors, I don't care. Give me the great story. I'm all, I'm just give me the great story. But the reality is, there's always problems in comics continuity. They're fun to point out they're uh, to when point they're happening out. at the same time Give in me books. A break. Well, but, I mean, like I think there's difference this between isn't like an Easter egg continuity hunt. mistakes in the same story. Oh, I mean, work. I don't mind if it conflicts something that happened ten years ago. That's all. Okay. Just don't. Okay. I think if continuity is like really messing with the story, then it's a problem. For example, I think the most recent for me anyways, because I don't like to comment on continuity until unless it's very obvious, because I think we do have a problem with fans like I think the term is bat splaining, which, you know, Dustin did that to me just this night. And, you know, you have to be careful because we don't want to be obnoxious like that. The only time I do it is with Batgirl because I feel a level of I, I've got some wisdom and knowledge in that one. Right. I don't want to step on any toes but you know if they're i'm gonna tell you how i see it so the most recent one was just a really weird with the summer of lies business and just batgirl being batgirl i guess right away when she got to gotham which was assuming that she was batgirl in chicago it was super strange but just some weird stuff like that but yeah no i would i would obviously go for a good story right but sometimes continue i think and drag it down if it's very obvious and it's clearly not working together with the other books so there you go all right and then our final comment comes from jessica I only managed to listen to this after I got home, but thanks for the wishes, Ed. Oh, look, Ed, you have a fan. It's your first one. Not only does CCXP have... It's just being polite. Come on now. Not only does CCXP have the world's biggest attendance, it also has the biggest artist alley. And talking about it, while Takaro was sketching a cast for me, Maiolo, who was in, uh, who is the colors for Chang, came to talk to him for a while. I asked Takaro if he would be coming back to Detective. He's been invited, but he taking a breather and Maiolo took the cue and started a conversation with Akara about how he's currently overworked and in his words quote with Nightwing now being twice a month I'm so effed quote from that I guess we can assume DC considered making it a monthly title but ended up keeping it bi-monthly for now which might explain why Chang is alternating issues with other artists also Doomsday and Creature are my babies, and I'll protect them with my life. Joking aside, I can see how they are love it or hate it issues, and it was quite enjoyable to hear you guys giving such radically opposite views. Well, that's well. If you love that, you're gonna love this episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I think honestly, I think a lot of people tend to like when we clash on our views of things more than when we all agree. I mean, quite honestly, the, the 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 one thing that I think is interesting about this comment about the Nightwing, basically, it seems as if yes, DC considered it making a monthly title. The sales are not crazy amazing. I mean, they're not bad. I think it's sitting at like thirty k per issue at this middle point. Of the road. So it's middle of the road. That's basically where it would have been New Fifty Two. That's where it was back before New Fifty Two. So it's like basically where it is. But there is still two issues a month, so it's still selling sixty k. So. That's probably why they kept it at two per month. But I do see the next time they start slashing down some of these books or coming out with new books to replace some of them, I do think that Nightwing and Harley Quinn are probably the next books along with Suicide Squad. And, uh, no, I think that Justice League of America 
as much as I think it should be a, a monthly, I think it'll keep it every you know twice a month just because it, it can rotate with Justice League and that way there's always a Justice League book. But I feel like the creative team needs to change on that book or they need to change something in that book. But Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, Nightwing, those are the books I foresee going to monthly if they choose to make more books monthly in the future, which I'm guessing if that happens, it's not going to be until probably like late summer when that happens. So... It probably makes sense. I mean, I don't know. Nightwing, like you thumbs downed it. I'm not even reading it anymore. Well, let's be clear. We thumbs down it, but that was the last issue of Tim Seeley's run. And there's been some issues with the, the overuse true. of the character Raptor and the incorporation of Blockbuster into the series. So, it's, And now he's – and to think that he's all the way back then and that he may have had – I mean, are we to assume that he had a relationship with Mary and that Dick is named after him? Yes, or he or he had oh a, a relationship in yeah. his mind alone, uh, but yes. But I actually am looking forward to what Sam Humphreys and Bernard Chang are going to be doing on the series. I know Phil Jimenez is going to be doing the alternating work for at least the first couple of months. So, and I'm going to start. I'm going to try again. Yeah, with I'm definitely better. like I I I read all this stuff, so it doesn't matter. But I'm looking forward to this way more than I've been looking forward to Nightwing for at least the last couple months. So. All right, that being said, that is all of our comments. I was about to read off all the names for our Patreon supporters. Let's do it. But if, but if you have been paying attention to the world of Patreon, you or... or what uh, happened? Crowdsourcing things in general, there have been some major concerns with Patreon over the last couple of weeks due to some crazy issues with them deciding to mess around with fees and charge fees to other people and things like that. All of that being said, they have decided after announcing it at the beginning of the month and then changing it that they are not actually changing anything in going forward. So if you are supporting us on Patreon, no need to fear. Nothing is changing. You're not going to get charged any fees or anything else in, in the future. So just be aware that if you have heard something, nothing's happening at this point. Um, real quick, our supporters that I need to specifically thank for the past month. Uh, I want to thank Stephanie, Ian, Robert, Darren, No Deuces, Jerry, Lisa, Robert, and Jim, who are all supporting at the higher levels. Um, everybody else who's supporting, thank you very much. Now, before I continue on, I want to talk real quickly about the holiday giveaway. So basically, the gist of this is that we have a number of prizes. There's going to be a total of four different prize packs that we're going to be giving away. Basically, the way it works is if you supported us in the month of November or you support us in the month of December, so you'd have to do you'd have to be supporting us before January 1st in order for this to actually work. Any dollar level that you support at, whether it be $1, $5, $10, the $25 levels, any of those any of those that you are supporting at the dollar amount that you get, you get that many entries into the giveaway. So if you support at the $10 level for two months, you're going to get 20 entries into the giveaway. If you support $5 for just the month of December, you're going to get five entries into the month of December, so forth and so on. So if you do all of this, that's the way it'll work. You'll get that many entries. Uh, there's a couple of different prize packages. They're broken up in, in a slightly strange way because of certain sponsors that we had for these prizes. I posted up a picture at the beginning of the month on, on Twitter, but I don't know if everybody saw it. I'm going to repost it online, probably on Twitter again, but I'm letting you guys know who's listening to this. If you're looking at the picture, I'll have it on Twitter. You can search for it. 
I, I'm going to try to do a post, but I can't make any promises on the post. Basically, we have one prize package is sponsored by Jada Toys, which is a toy company that makes metal diecast figures. You'll get a 20-pack of diecast DC figurines, as well as a display case to display them in. Then there's another prize package that was uh, sponsored by Downtown Books, which is going to include the official superhero cookbook, which includes DC-related cookie cutters. And then two other books that are like activity-based books. There is a another prize package that includes One Woman on Blu-ray, uh, Justice League The New Frontier on Blu-ray, Batman vs. Two-Face, Batman and Harley Quinn, as well as two Funko Pop figures from the Legion of Collectors subscription service, uh, Bane from the Villains box and Mr. Freeze from the Batman the Animated Series box. Uh, there's also a Lego pack that includes a crazy $250 Lego classic TV series Batcave. It includes that, Batgirl's Secret Bunker from DC Superhero Girls, the Nightcrawler Tunnel Attack set from uh, Justice League, as well as four brick Brickhead figures from the Lego Batman movie, and the Lego Batman Hallmark keepsake ornament. All of that was donated by the Berry Treasure Store. And then there's finally, there's a group of posters that was donated by Rob from Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. Uh, it's a huge set of posters from the Justice League movie that was given away as a promotional thing from AT&T. That will be included along with three poly bags from the Lego Batman movie. So there's four different prize packs. Uh, also, that, that poster one also has another downtown books one called My First DC Dictionary. So tons of prizes. The point is, if you supported any of the levels between now and January 1st, and if you supported in the past, you have multiple entries, and then just make sure that you that we have your address on file on Patreon, and then your address... That way we can mail you your prize if you win, then so forth and so on. So if you are interested in winning any of these prizes, be sure to support us on Patreon. Obviously, your support helps us. These prizes is, these prizes were donated specifically for this giveaway to raise funds for the site. So if you are interested, be sure to support us on Patreon. And that's basically all you have to do to enter in to win one of the four contest prize packages. So... That all being said, if you have no desire to donate money or you have no desire to win any of these prizes and you are interested in just donating your time or skills to the website, we are specifically looking for video editors, comic book reviewers. If you have any desire to write original content like character spotlights on different back characters or reviews of old comics from you know 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, be sure to email me at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net and we'll find you a position somewhere on the site. We're always looking for original content and the video editing will come in handy with a project that we're hoping to do in the very near future. Outside of that, be sure to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies, merchandise, TV, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman Universe. Be sure to check out all the other podcasts. You're listening to this probably right when we release it on Friday, but uh, over the course of the two weeks, the, the week before Christmas and the week of Christmas, we have basically have a new podcast releasing every day of the week, except for Christmas Day for two weeks straight, so... You'll, there's plenty of content, whether it be Back of the Oracle, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake, Bruce Wayne's World, Bat Fans, there's a, there's a new commentary, Gotham Chronicle, their mid-season finale, which I happen to guest on. <gasps> so... 
be sure to check out all of that content. There's tons of it out there. So with that, that is everything for this episode. Be sure to leave your comments on the post on the website for the next episode so we can talk about those. With that, that is everything. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Nadine. And you have been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>